Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and to have this opportunity to share in this time of worship and of study. It's our prayer that the things that I speak this morning come from God's Word and they are according to His will and they will be of benefit to you as they have been to me in in, uh, the preparation and the study. Uh, for this. Uh, we've been studying lessons from Isaiah, and we've talked about that Isaiah prophesied some 750 years before Christ, and how that was about halfway between the time of the giving of the law to Moses and the time of Jesus' personal ministry and death upon the cross. So right in halfway between those times, and it was kind of a transition time as the children of Israel, the tribes to the north would be taken into captivity during the, during the time that Isaiah prophesied. And shortly after, Judah itself would go into captivity in Babylon. <clears throat> they would eventually, a remnant would come out of Babylon. Um, but all this was a preparation. It was preparation for the time that Christ would arrive. And, and Isaiah was one of the uh, greatest prophets, one of the uh, most extensive uh, as far as giving prophecies of the Messiah. And we've talked about several of those um, in the previous lessons. And this, uh, this morning we're going to be studying in Isaiah chapter 52, the last verses there, and, and Isaiah chapter 53 as Brother Caleb read this morning. But I want to begin actually in Acts the 8th chapter. And this is an, an account that we're very familiar with. Uh, it's a, to me it's always been a very interesting account of the Ethiopian eunuch, and we'll beginning, begin in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now the angel of the Lord <clears throat> spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jer- Jerusalem to Gaza, and this is desert. <clears throat> we remember the account there in Acts chapter 8 that Philip had been preaching in Samaria, and he, was, he had converted many in Samaria to the gospel of Christ. And so this was the end of his time of the work there in the spirit of the Lord. The angel of the Lord calls him to go to a certain spot on this road to intersect and to uh, come into contact with this, Ethi- this man of Ethiopia. It says, So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and who had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, was reading from Isaiah the prophet. So there's the tie-in, right? (laughs) He was reading from Isaiah, the the book that we've been studying, this book that was written some 750 years prior. And he's going along and he's reading from Isaiah. It said, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? So if you can imagine for a minute the, some of the readings that we've done in Isaiah, if you did not have the knowledge of looking back and understanding the fulfillment of many of those things in Christ, those writings would probably be, be very mysterious to you as they were to this man. And the Spirit of the Lord and the Spirit that was in Philip recognized that he was probably struggling with what he was reading. And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? 
and he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So truly, as he was reading these verses that were going to, are going to be described, he was struggling with what is the prophet talking about. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet speak? Of himself or of some other man? <clears throat> Again, for 750 years, this writing of Isaiah had been available to the Jewish people. <clears throat> and for 750 years, they had asked themselves the same question. Of who is Isaiah speaking? <clears throat> what a timely question for Philip. Because Philip knew the answer. And the next verse says, And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. I, this, the, the quote here, the reading from Isaiah is from Isaiah chapter 53, the chapter under consideration for us this morning. And so for a few minutes I want to go back and let's look at the writings of Isaiah in, in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53 to discern the, the teachings of Jesus that we find there, the things that it teaches us about Jesus. First of all, in our previous studies in Isaiah, we've talked about the glorified king on his throne that Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter, that's described in Isaiah chapter 6. We talked about the sign of Emmanuel that is given in Isaiah chapter 7, that a virgin would give birth and that that child's name would be Emmanuel, which is, tells it, we're told in the New Testament means God with us. In Isaiah chapter 9, we read about the child that would come unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given, and the description of the reign of Christ and his in the person of Christ, it is given there. We talked about the branch of Jesse, the descendant of David, that would sit on his throne and rule, and the description that Isaiah gives of that in Isaiah 11. We talked about Isaiah chapter 12 which was a song that would be sung by us as Christians in the day of Christ, the rejoicing that we would have and the praise for Christ. And then we talked about the words of comfort in Isaiah chapter 40, <clears throat> the last time that we talked. And we talked about that from Isaiah chapter 40 forward, the tone of Isaiah changes. It's much more directed toward the Messiah and toward the time of Babylon and the return from Babylon. And it's a time that God gives comfort to his people. <clears throat> why, why did God give us the, the prophecies? <laughs> why did God give us these prophecies some 750 years before Christ? What was the importance of it? Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9 says, For I am God and there is no other. He's writing to the Jewish people and he's reminding them. He said that there is none like me. To, to they had turned to idolatry. They had forsaken God and he's telling them, don't you understand I am the only true God? He said, I declare from the, the end, from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done. And my saying that my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. 
what was God telling us? He's telling us, I'm going to show you that I am the true God. I'm going to give you evidence that the things that are going to happen are at my will. That when the Messiah comes, it will not be by accident that he is born in Bethlehem. That he is born of a virgin. It will not be by accident that he's going to grow up in Nazareth of Galilee. You're going to know of a certainty that he is not some crazed lunatic claiming that he is the son of God, but that he is indeed my son. Who has come according to my will at the given and the appointed time in history. It will not be by accident that he will be put to death upon the cro- on a cross, on a Roman cross. And he said, my counsel shall stand. And so we as Christians today, looking at the events that happened in the history, can look back and say, I understand and I know of assurance that this was God's plan. And I can have cl- complete confidence and faith and trust in that. I know assuredly because he told me it was going to happen 750 years before. And in some cases, in prophecies, thousands of years before, up to 2,000 years before. And so we begin here in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13. He says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. In the last 26 chapters of Isaiah, he talks about three different servants. One of those servants that one of the people or the Entities that he refers to as his servant was physical Israel, was Judah, whom he called the blind and the, and the dumb servant. Those who had forsaken him. Those who, who were not trustworthy as a servant. He also talked about a man named Cyrus as his servant. It was Cyrus who was going to overcome the Babylonians and return the captives to Jerusalem some 150 to 100 to 200 years later. And the third is his righteous servant, the Messiah. Of course, that is who he speaks of here. According, when we go back and we look at these writings in Isaiah, these latter chapters of Isaiah, scholars have identified what they call four songs of the servant. <clears throat> the first two of those are found back in uh, Isaiah chapters 42 and 49. And they talk about the mission of the Messiah, his work that he was coming to do. In chapters 50 and 51, there's a description of the servant and his his patient endurance, his obedience through times, through the persecution that was going to come upon him. And then the final of those songs that is is referred to as the suffering servant we find here in Isaiah. Again, beginning here in chapter 52 and verse 13. The song is 15 verses long. It is divided into five stanzas, each of those being three verses. And he begins by saying, my servant shall deal prudently. The Messiah would deal prudently. He would deal with wisdom. And we we look at the uh, the life of Jesus Christ and we see that he walked in wisdom. He walked in great wisdom. In the things that he taught, in the way that he dealt with people in his compassion towards others, in the way he answered. We've been studying the book of Matthew, and we've seen all those who attempted to trip Jesus up, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the Herodians. 
as they, they sought to undermine him to, to prove that he wasn't who he claimed to be. But he, he always answered them in wisdom. We see his wisdom in his obedience to the Father and the fulfillment of the work that he was called to do. He says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. These first three verses or these, of this song actually are a summary of everything that's to come later. <clears throat> so this is kind of a high-level summary of what he's going to tell us in chapter 53. Again, first he begins by talking about the wisdom which would characterize the Messiah, his righteous servant. He said, he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And he begins with the end, with the exaltation of Christ. That he is going to be lifted up. That he would sit on the right hand of the throne of God. It reminds us of the verses that we find in Philippians chapter 2. It says, but he made of himself of no reputation taking on him the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then we pick up with the verse that's on the screen. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. <clears throat> All authority and a power is given to Christ. He is exalted on high. God said, this is my righteous servant. He will be exalted. He says in verse 14, just as many of you were astonished, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than any of the sons of men. So he goes, he's going in reverse order here. <clears throat> so he starts with exaltation, and then he describes the suffering of his servant with this description of his appearance. And if you and I had seen Jesus at the time of his crucifixion, the word astonished would probably be the word that we would probably want to use. As we read about the sufferings, the brutal things that Jesus went through, that he was beaten beyond recognition. And if you've seen someone who's taken a beating and whose face is beaten to the point you don't recognize them any, anymore, imagine that, only, not only his face, but his whole body beaten to that point. That is the description that the Lord gives through Isaiah of the suffering servant, his appearance, what it would be like. So he shall sprinkle many nations. Again, a high-level su summary. He's going to be exalted on high. He's going to go through great suffering. But what's he going to do? He's going to purify the sprinkling of the nations. When we see that word sprinkle or sprinkling, we're reminded of the sprinkling of the blood under the law of Moses. And that's always what's described there. It's for purification. Or he's going to bring purification to the nations. You remember what God's promise was to Abraham concerning the seed that would come, the descendant, that through him would all nations of the earth be blessed. <clears throat> he said, my, my servant is going to purify the nations. <clears throat> First Peter 1 and 2 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims, the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God and the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, 
for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. That which purifies us, the blood of Jesus Christ, that sprinkling of the nations he describes there. He says, kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. The scripture tells us that Jesus would be exalted. God says here, even kings will be in silent reverence to him. The description given of Jesus in Revelation that he is king of kings and lord of lords. But there's more here also. What does he say? He says they're going to consider something. Something that, that was never in their imagination. They're going to be shown something they had not seen. They're going to be told something they had never considered. What was that? <clears throat> that God would send his own son to be born into this world. <clears throat> to take on flesh. To be sinless. And then to give himself a sacrifice and atonement for our sins. It was, it's beyond the imagination of man. Only God, only this wisdom would come from God. <clears throat> and he said it's going to stun people. It's gonna, they will be silent in considering what God has done. And the scripture tells us that the gospel of Christ was to the Jews a stumbling block and it was to Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, those who believe and obey the gospel of Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. <clears throat> so that is the introduction <clears throat> to Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah chapter 53 begins, Who has believed our report? And to whom was the arm, has the arm of the Lord been revealed? <clears throat> Who is us? Who is we? God through Isaiah. Who's believed our report? This report of the Messiah. This this thing that is beyond comprehension in the mind of man or beyond our imagination to create such a thing <clears throat> and to whom was the arm of the Lord revealed when the, the scripture describes the arm of the Lord it's always in deliverance or it's in salvation his outstretched arm his arm of strength that brings salvation who has believed our report he says you know this verse is quoted <clears throat> in, a, in John the 12th chapter Verses 37 and 38 said, But although Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Again, uh, the quotation, who's believed this report, this thing that God had told us 750 years before just concerning Christ and the character of Christ and what he would do for us. There were many who saw the things that he performed, yet they still didn't believe, which brought back this verse from Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our report? It's also quoted in Romans chapter 10, verses 15 and 16, one that we're familiar with. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Everyone who's seen this and heard this has not obeyed the gospel. Why? Because as Isaiah said, Lord who has believed our report. And then he goes on to say, For faith cometh, so then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the Word of God. Again, we have faith in the things that God told us 750 years before that came to pass in the time of the writings of Paul, <clears throat> the fulfillment of the Messiah. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. When we see that picture, what do we think? That thing looks out of place. <laughs> What's it doing there? How did it ever sprout there? <clears throat> Surrounded by harsh conditions. Jesus came to this world in a time of spiritual barrenness. <clears throat> As described later, we had all, everyone had gone astray, had gone their own way. <clears throat> there was corruption in both the civil, the civil and the religious governance of the Jews who were under occupation by a pagan government. <clears throat> the conditions were difficult. When you, when you see that dry plant, you would think, how will it ever survive in that environment? <clears throat> but God would provide. <clears throat> he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know, we think about that verse, and we all, often think that there was no outward beauty that, was a, that a, would attract us to Jesus, which that's certainly probably a part of it. They probably wasn't one with striking features that you would just naturally be drawn to. But people were certainly drawn to Christ <clears throat> through the teachings that he gave, through the miracles that he performed, through the wisdom that he exhibited. But there was nothing externally that would draw us to him. There was certainly nothing in his background that showed that he was someone great. <clears throat> the scripture tells us that he was born in a manger. He was born, he was laid in a manger. He's born in a, in a barn. He was born to common people. He was not born to wealth or to royalty or to privilege. <clears throat> and when we look at the way people perceived Jesus, we see that there, from a natural standpoint, from an earthly societal standpoint, there were not things that drew, drew people to him. Mark chapter 6, verses 2 and 3 says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished and saying, Where did this man get these things, this wisdom? What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother James and Joses, Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended in him. Who does he think he is? He's just a common person. Where does, he, where does he get this wisdom? How does he do these powerful things? They were offended in him. Why? Because of his background. Because there was nothing in his background that would draw us to him. But he was born into humble conditions. In John chapter 1 and verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found those, the one that the prophets wrote about, he said. <clears throat> and Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <clears throat> there was nothing outwardly that they would, you would desire him. But we remember Philip's answer, Come and see. <laughs> come and witness for yourself. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, 
our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. John chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 says he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. So those who he came to, those, his people, those who had the writings of Isaiah, the writings of the prophets from hundreds and thousands of years before, <clears throat> they did not receive him. They, were, they rejected him. Luke chapter 13 and 34, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I would have granted I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. So as Jesus looked out over the city and he, he, he mourned, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. They rejected him. They would not receive him, his own. <clears throat> Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Matthew chapter 8 and 16 and 17 refers to this verse when it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, which is a reference, again, to the verse we just read in Isaiah, that he took our illnesses that he took the sicknesses and he healed those. But more importantly, <clears throat> that he healed, he brought healing to our spiritual diseases. And when the scribes and the Pharisees, Mark, Mark chapter 2, saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and with sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who needs the physician? <laughs> I need the physician. You need the physician. We all need the physician. We all need the healing that Jesus brought when he bore our sicknesses. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We didn't esteem him as one who was providing for us we esteemed him as one who deserved punishment that's what the scripture says we esteemed him smitten by God that the punishment which came upon him he was deserving of <clears throat> that's what we read in Matthew chapter 27 when those who who passed by as Jesus hung on the cross and said those who passed by blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, others he saved himself, he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if, we, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him <clears throat> reviled him with the same thing. This is, this is the punishment. He must be a sinner. 
He must be deserving of this. If he is the Son of God, let him come down from the cross. The mocking. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says, But he was wounded. It wasn't for his sins. It wasn't for things that he had done. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I mean, we look at this, this picture and we see the crown of thorns and we see the hammer and we see the, the nails, the spikes, and we see the cross. What we don't see is the flagrum that was used to beat him into a shred of blood and, and flesh. We don't see the spear that pierced his side and brought forth the blood and water in his death. You know, the Dutch artist Rembrandt painted several portraits of the crucifixion. And in at least two of those, if you, if you saw the paintings and looked in the crowd, you would see someone who looked out of place, someone wearing an artist hat. It was Rembrandt. He painted himself into those portraits. <clears throat> When asked why he did that, he said, because spiritually I was there. It was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. You know, the song that we sing, How Great the Father's Love for Us, it was my sin that held him there. I hear my voice among the mockers. That's where Rembrandt put himself In one painting, he showed himself helping raise the cross. His hands were all over it. In another, he was in the crowd, just back in the shadows, but observing and watching. I remember a song that you may be familiar with. It was called, Were You There? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I was there. Not physically. But my sins were there. Spiritually, I was there. That blood was on my hands just like theirs. That blood's on your hands just like theirs. It was our sin that put him there, that kept him there. What a humbling thing it is to know That all of the things that Jesus went through were not just those people, for those people who were there physically, for for all those who would come after, including me and you. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. <clears throat> Scripture says that we've all seen and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> we could all name our sins <laughs> one by one if we had the time and if we had the ability. <clears throat> that would be a, that would take a while. But every one of those sins was paid for, was put upon Jesus at the cross. His the righteous servant. told some 750 years before the event happened 
How sure is that for you to know that Jesus died for you? He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. <clears throat> Again, the verse that the eunuch was reading on that road to Gaza. <clears throat> a description of Jesus who was brought in the mock trials first before the high priest Caiaphas. But at least two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. <clears throat> before Herod... When, when Pilate, he was brought before Pilate and he learned that Jesus was from Galilee, he, he thought he could avoid bringing judgment, so he sent him to Herod. And when he came before Herod, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him. Because he had heard many things about him and hoped that he would see some miracle done by him. He wanted to show. He wanted to be entertained by the power of Jesus. And then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. <clears throat> I read in preparing for this that if you bring a goat to slaughter, that it will scream at the top of its lungs. And the same if you're going to share it. But a lamb is just the opposite. A lamb will not, will not utter. A lamb will be, keep silence as he faces the butcher, as he faces the shearer. <clears throat> that was the description given by Isaiah of, of, of Jesus, who did not give a defense when he was brought to the foot of capital punishment. Therefore, when he came to Pilate, Pilate also, he was more, <clears throat> when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid, and he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. <clears throat> There were some things that Jesus answered at the time that he faced these trials, but it was not to defend himself. He was taken from prison and from judgment, verse 8. <clears throat> and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He's going to be put to death. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He's going to die for my people, who are God's people. <clears throat> those who he calls through the gospel of Christ. The beneficiaries of all that Jesus did, you and I, <clears throat> those who hear the gospel and believe it and obey it, <clears throat> he was taken from prison and from judgment. <clears throat> His judgment was taken. What did Pilate say when he, would, when he questioned Christ? I find no fault in him. I find no guilt in him. And what was the cry of the mob? Crucify him crucify him, and he yielded to the mob and pronounced the sentence. His justice was taken. His judgment was perverted. But it was not by mistake. Because God's intention was that's how it would be. <clears throat> and they made his grave with the wicked, but with, his, with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was deceit found in his mouth. According to historians, those who were crucified, those who put them to death, the soldiers actually dug the graves, and they buried them with their cross. 
But that was not the plan for Jesus. He was going to be buried with the rich, the Scripture says. Matthew 27 says, Now when the evening had come, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and Pilate commanded that the body be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering of sin. When we look at the suffering of Jesus in, in Gethsemane, the scripture says that he sweat his blood. That which he faced, the torment that he went through for you and me. It said that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Was the Lord pleased to see Jesus suffer? No. <laughs> That's not what it means. But what it means is that the justice of God was answered. The way to be, to, be, to, give, to be just and the justifier of the unjustifiable. <clears throat> to have his justice fulfilled in the offering of Christ. Romans 3, 25 and 26 says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifiers of those who had faith of the one who has faith in Jesus. That his righteousness, that his judgment, that his justice was satisfied in the punishment of sin that was paid for which he provided himself in the giving of his son. He shall see his, sa- his seed and, his, and prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see his seed. Who's the seed of Christ? Who are the spiritual children of Jesus Christ? Look around. <laughs> that is us. We are, we are the spiritual seed of Christ. We are those born again into the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> And he will prolong his days. He just died in the previous verse. What's he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. He's not going to stay in the grave. His body's not going to see corruption. His days are going to be prolonged. Promised us 750 years before the events. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The pleasure of the Lord, that of the purchasing the redemption of all of his children. The Bible is the story of God's redemption. From the time of the fall to sin in the Garden of Eden till the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus' death upon the cross, everything was was a preparation. And God was explaining it as he went along to prepare us to know for sure when it happened that it was by his design and according to his will. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says that when we, says that we need to look around at the witnesses around us given to us in the scripture. 
so that we will lay aside every sin and the weight which so easily besets us and let so that we can run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith look to Jesus who for the joy that was set before him why did he go to the cross why did he endure those things because the joy that was set before him that joy was to redeem you and me and all of those who would believe on his name <clears throat> he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied, but for by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The closing verses here. He's pointing again now toward the exaltation of Christ. Again, he will see the labor, the, the, the uh, King James Version says, the travail of his soul. <clears throat> that word labor and travail are used as to describe a woman giving birth. And what was Jesus doing? He was bringing about the family of God. <clears throat> By his knowledge, my righteous servants shall justify many. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin for us. He took our sins, <clears throat> that we would become the righteousness of God. Therefore I will divide with him a portion <clears throat> with, the, uh, with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He emptied himself. <clears throat> He gave his all. And he was numbered with the transgressors. He, was, he who knew no sin was made sin for us. He was crucified like a common criminal between two common criminals. He was numbered with the transgressors, he, but he bore our sins. He made in intercession for our transgression, and he, will, we will share, he said he will share the spoil with the strong. He's gonna, what are the spoils? Fellowship in the kingdom of God. Forgiveness through the blood of Christ. Eternity with our Heavenly Father. Those are the rewards. Those are the spoils which Jesus purchased for us in his death upon the cross. Back to Acts chapter 8. Now as they went down the road, what happened in between? <laughs> Philip preached into him Jesus. He started with those same verses and he described to him how God sent his only son to pay the price for sin upon the cross, to put an end to those offerings under the old law, the once for all offering of the blood of Jesus Christ through which we have salvation. And they came to some water and the eunuch said, here is water what keeps me from being baptized, what hinders me from being baptized. The other thing that Philip had told him was what Jesus had told him to preach. To preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Who, who believes not will be damned. <clears throat> the words that Peter spoke on the word that in the day of Pentecost, when, he said, when they asked him, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far, are far off, even so many as the Lord our God shall call. 
And what did the eunuch say when he saw water? What keeps me from being baptized? I also want my sins washed away. I want to be born again into the family of God. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And having given that confession, there was nothing that hindered the Ethiopian eunuch from being baptized. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He immersed him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Having heard, believed, and obeyed the gospel of Christ, his past forgiven, his future secured, he looked forward to eternity with God, with rejoicing. We don't know the minds of those who are here today. If we can assist you this morning in obeying the gospel of Christ, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, understand that he died for your sins. If you would accept the payment he made for your sins through his blood by obeying him in baptism this morning, making the confession that he is the Son of God, If we can assist you with that or if we can assist you with prayers or in any other way, we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.